It's a high drive center field. Beerling's back. This game is turned upside down. Pulls it to the air. It's deep to left. Taylor back at the wall at 700. Welcome to Super Contacts Baseball Podcast. It is episode 15. Today's date is April 26, 2023. Uh, we're only four days removed from our last recording, so there's not been a whole lot of uh, new things to go over, but I'm still joined by Noah today, and we're going to talk about some different news around the league. Noah, how are you doing today? Doing great today. It's a rainy, muggy, nasty day here in the DFW, but making the most of it we got a nice uh partly cloudy 80 degrees here in h so uh a little contrast going i i, I like both of those weather descriptions <laughs> uh something about like a just a, a nasty muggy day like in april may kind of feels nice because it's like you know summer's coming and in texas summer it's just gonna destroy you so having some of those like mid-temperature sun's not all the way out it's kind of gross. There's something nice about those because it, it kind of takes you away from the soon-to-be destruction of your welfare. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> baseball. Uh, where was I going with this? I, I lost all train of thought talking about the weather. Uh, Mookie! Mookie came back, mm-hmm. and instead of playing right field or second base... Dodgers just said, screw it, we're going to start him at shortstop. And uh, he kind of made, like, three really good plays at shortstop, uh, which got me thinking about other people that are just like, you can just kind of plug and play wherever. Um, do you have a a player that you remember, like, watching them play, like, out of position and just doing phenomenally well? Um, I do. And it was the early, early, early days of Joey Gallo. I knew you were going to say him, because if you didn't, that's who I was going to bring up. Yeah, I remember going going to Globe Life Park. Uh, yeah, it's park, right? Yeah, I don't remember. But uh, I remember he'd be he'd be at third. He could play first, obviously anywhere in the outfield, filling it for the DH spot. Um, and when he first started really making a name for his, himself, that's when he got uh, thrown out in the outfield. So, yeah, that's... Trying to think if there's any other like Rangers. I don't really think so. But yeah, Joey Gallo was one of those very versatile, pop in here and play good kind of guys. I want to say it was like 2018. I think is I saw him play like at third base one time randomly. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, like <laughs> he can kind of do everything. Like it's kind of crazy. Um, he he comes to mind. I. Being a Houston guy, I think of Bregman because Bregman has played second base, first base, and left field at different times uh, throughout his career, which is so weird because like he was drafted as a shortstop out of LSU and then moved to third base because of the Carlos Correa and blah 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 blah. And uh, but no, Bregman can also just like go wherever you need him to and be just fine. Um, and another guy who obviously has some positional flexibility, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Beta oh, yeah. is a outfield major league debut a few days ago. 
and uh, playing out in Chicago. I, I believe they're in Chicago. Some hecklers were out in the bleachers getting after him on the uh, he's on steroids chance. Did you see this clip? I did. I actually just saw it when I was coming home from school today. Uh, and so, what do you think about Tatis kind of giving a little little dance move for the? Uh, I think for the I think it's along? awesome. I think if you let people like let it bother you, like it doesn't really have any any effect. Um, I, I was trying to I was trying to tie it into the the Anthony Rendon situation. Like obviously they're two different situations in a way, but if you just like have fun with it. You know, it happened. You can't go back in the past and change it. Um, I, I, yeah, you just can't let stuff like that bother you. Obviously, very professional in my eyes. So I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it's weird because, like, 20 years ago, if someone did this, it'd be, like, super unprofessional. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> to me, like, I, I don't mind it because I'm, like, I grew up with such an old school, like, baseball outlook with, like, who taught me baseball and whatnot. Uh, but, like, as characters have developed and players are actual people and not robots and whatnot. And as those times have kind of morphed into what we have today, like I would much rather see Tatis kind of just vibe with the claps and, and do a little dance for them for that little five second period, then point up at the stands and flip somebody off and yeah. F you Chicago or anything like that. <laughs> so like uh, from, you know, if it's A or B, like, yeah, I'll, I'll take this little, like, five-second dance move and having fun with the crowd. And, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, if it if it bothers you and you can tell that it bothers you, then you've let the crowd win. And so, yeah. uh, to me, like, I don't know, I, I kind of enjoy this. Maybe that's the uh, the Houston fan in me, too, because of the the Astros shame tour or whatever it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I just... Screw it, just go out there and have fun, beat them, who cares? Uh, so I've become a little bit more adapt to letting the letting people enjoy themselves when they get heckled, but I'd rather much I'd much rather see him do that than some of the other alternatives he probably could have done. Uh, speaking of Houston, they go into Tampa Bay after the uh, Atlanta sweep, and Tampa Bay's home winning streak finally ends at 14 games. Uh an MLB record, I think, for home opening games or wins to start the season at home, whatever the record was. Uh, it ended at 14 was a streak for them. Uh, Luis Garcia was the one who did it after like a weird thing. Like we saw him pitch uh, when y'all came down to Houston, mm-hmm. and uh, like he his first three starts he had like an over seven ERA, and then uh, against Toronto, which is a offensive team, and the Rays are you know the best team in baseball at the moment uh back to back zero runs over 14 innings um it's kind of a unique thing seeing him do that but uh tampa bay are they going to come back down to earth you think are they going to play hot baseball for a long time so you think i was honestly about to ask you the same question like are they is it going to die down or like i'm trying to think because you know it's the al east sorry east being such a competitive division um, and I mean, I know they've already made their rounds through a couple of teams, if not all of them. Um, like I, I, I want to say that it'll die down, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, we're what, how many games into the season? And it just kind of hasn't like, yeah, they've lost a couple games here and there, but like it, it hasn't stopped. Um, 
I don't know. I the the you know hater in me, if you will, wants to see it die down because I'm tired of Rays fans and these group chats I'm in. <laughs> but like from like a baseball, how many Rays fans are you in group chats with? I don't know. Like freaking Aiden, me and him, like just got added to these like uh, group chats with a bunch of people we play the show with, and you've got like Marlins fans, Braves fans. Rays fans and you know the Rays fan I know is like sixteen and it's really annoying. Anyways, um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. The, the like I said, the hater in me wants to see it stop, but I'd much rather it be them than the Yankees. So, uh, you know they're twenty and four, so like their winning percentage is over eight hundred right now, over eighty percent. Um, mm-hmm. So. At some point, they're going to come back down to probably the 60s, 60%, 65% probably in that ballpark. Um, So I think they're definitely going to not continue to just be like this dominant force. I mean, they've they've caught fire in some different ways. Baseball luck plays into it some. um, And then scheduling plays into it some. But... Uh, you know, to, to maintain an 80% winning percentage the whole year is pretty uh, unlikely. Uh, so, I, you know, I think they definitely start... I haven't looked at their schedule in whole, um, but I would think that they come back down fairly quick, probably by the time this next month rolls in, they'll be probably in the mid-70s winning percentage. Um, and then probably by the all-star break, they're probably closer to 65 where they'll probably average out. Um, they do, gosh. Okay. So they play Houston tonight for the, for the series. And then they go to the white Sox, which more on them in a second. Uh, and then they play the hottest, the other hottest team, the pirates. And then they play the Yankees at Orioles at Yankees at Mets. So like the next three weeks, they actually have some pretty interesting series. I think. Um, the Blue Jays are in there, the Dodgers are in there, the Cubs are in there for May. So um, I think the month of May is going to be a much tougher month for the uh, Rays than what they've had to start the year. So we'll see. But I, I definitely think uh, probably that 65 winning percentage over an 80 a little insane right now. Um, which another streak type of thing that I don't know how long it's going to last. I think uh, every, every game this is the last time, but he keeps doing it. Uh, Mauricio Dubon has the MLB best 19 game hitting streak right now uh, for Houston and talk about a kind of a random player to have it going but uh, why not Uh, I think the Houston record is like 24 don't fact check me on this but uh, who do you think has the hit tools to actually like produce a long hit streak? Who's gonna have the longest hitting streak in baseball this year? That should have been wow, a prop that we question. did a few months back. Um, I have my answer. Okay, so yours first. Okay, my answer is the man who hit the cycle already, Luis Arias, okay. for the Marlins. I think just his hit tools, the ability to put the ball in play, the ability to, uh, you know, find the extra base hits when they come, but 
to hit the bloop singles, to take the ball the other way whenever he wants. Uh, I think he's always a candidate for the best hitting streak yeah. in. Um, I'm trying to think, like, it might be a dumb answer. I'm trying to think of anybody on the Rangers, but they, they're either really hot or really cold, all of the hitters individually. Um, I want to say somebody like, I don't know, Brian Reynolds, maybe? I don't know if that's a dumb answer, but it's the first one that popped into my head because I know how good he's been doing this year. Yeah, and we'll talk about Brian some more here in a second. Uh, yeah, I mean, hit, hit streaks are such a random thing anyway, but I just, mm-hmm. the fact that uh, this guy that was supposed to be kind of a utility player um, who's had to play because of the Altuve injury a lot um, has just started hitting the ball like crazy. Who and like He came over in a trade last year to Houston from San Francisco was just kind of a utility fourth outfielder, fifth infielder for them. And you basically didn't see him at all last year for Houston. He was just like an emergency guy. Uh, now he's like the key component hitting leadoff on this Astros team. It's kind of crazy to think about. Um, here's a fun story for you. The Minnesota Twins. My preseason prediction for AL Central winner. Uh... <laughs> For the first time since 2001, 2001, has won a series versus the Yankees. Hmm. Noah, in your lifetime, the Twins have (laughs) never beaten the Yankees in a three-game set. How about it? (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. That's such a crazy stat. You know, some things you just see and you're like, there's no way, and then... Like no, this this is true, and uh, I think the Yan- the Twins have lost like thirteen straight playoff games, which is like a North American record. So like in your lifetime, the Twins have been such a mid franchise. We'll use the mid term because that's how young people talk, right? Uh, very mid franchise, and then just you know, all of a sudden they're like, hey, we're gonna break a an issue that's been going on for 22 years. 22 years ago, I was eight. God. The Twins haven't won a series versus New York since I was eight years old. <laughs> uh, which I think ties into Sonny Gray being filthy. Uh, yeah. Joe Ryan has been really good. Uh, Carlos Correa hasn't like been doing it consistently, but he's had some big moments. Byron Buxton is... I mean, as long as he's on the field, he's one of the best in baseball. Um, and then Pablo, Pablo Lopez, man, came over that trade. And between him and Sonny Gray, they have been carrying the load pitching-wise. Uh, we put Johan Duran as, like, a, one of the top five relievers around the league. Uh, so, yeah, this this Twins team is fun. They're, uh, they've got good potential, I think, a month in. Yeah, Joey Gallo said they're, they're, the Yankees' beard rule was stupid, and so he had to... Crank one on him. Didn't mm. huh? Yeah. Did he actually say that? No, no. It was a it was a meme I saw on Instagram the other day. It was I like think... it had him in quote it, it in quotes, and then it said Joey Gallo did not say this at all to our knowledge. And like, yeah, I love friend. those. They they come out sometimes like they'll catch me on one too. I'm like no way, and then I'll <laughs> click on. I'm like oh, okay, it was, it was this page. Never mind. Yeah. There was one that uh they put like with Kyle Tucker and. 
a few weeks back and it it made me giggle pretty good i don't remember which one it was so i don't i can't remember what the phrase was but they they do good content on that um as far as other headlines i don't really have like fun news uh this is probably something that you'll be a little bit more passionate about than i am so i'll i'll introduce it let you take the rock on it uh is there too much on the umpire's plates right now because I feel like I'm seeing worse called games this year than in years past with strikes, strike zones and whatnot. Um, and then also I've got three teams so far this year that have been negatively impacted by over five runs by the umpire scorecard and uh, strike zones and how games are being official officiated. Uh, the Dodgers have a negative 5.74 runs St. Louis Cardinals, negative 5.61 runs, and the Houston Astros have negative 5.46 runs. The three worst teams as far as like accumulation of negative impact from umpires. Do um, you think uh, the umpires are struggling to keep up with all the new stuff they have to manage, or is this just uh, a just weird old, first dude. month? <laughs> I think they're just old. They're just old? <laughs> they need to go sit on the front porch on their wooden rocking chair and drink coffee and... Uh, Watch a deer jump throughout the woods all day. No, I'm kidding. Um, hey, I, I would take that gig. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> um, so this is like a – it's been a big issue, but I'm starting to see it more now that I'm paying more attention to baseball. Um, it's it's kind of getting ridiculous. I know we talk about uh, – what's his name? Buckner. C- oh, CB? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's ridiculous, and – I, I I just don't know. I mean, people are some half of the people are, are for the electronic strike zone and getting rid of umpires in general or in some type of way, but then other people and I'm going to bring up Aiden. Aiden, uh, to my knowledge, doesn't like the electronic strike zone because it takes away from the catcher being like a good framer or you know being good in that department. And so I'm kind of like neutral on it because number one, I think the Rangers were negatively affected in the series, which we'll probably get into here in a minute against the Reds a couple times. Um, and you know, you don't really care until it happens to you. And so now I'm kind of getting sick and tired of it. Um, and it just and with these certain ejections, and it's just like they they face to to my knowledge, they face no repercussions or they don't get any kind of like punishment for ruining a game in a you know drastic way. And so, I don't know, man. I, I feel like some of them are on their A game. There are really good umpires in the league. and But it just kind of, the bad ones kind of put a negative reflection on the good ones. So, I will say, in a way, yes, there is too much on the umpire's plate, but then again, it's your job to do it and do it right. So. Have you seen the uh, like the minor league system with like the uh, challenge, the pitch challenge system? Oh yeah, I, I've heard about it. Um, so like, uh, if if you're at the at at bat and there's a a pitch that you don't like, it, it's the quick head tap on the helmet, and then it just goes to review, and they like showed up on the video board, and like in real time, they just like bring up the pitch into like a, an artificial strike zone over the plate. I'm guessing it's measured by stat cash or something like that. And uh, whether or not the ball was a strike or a, or a ball. And uh, then the result is made off of that challenge, but you only get like a, 
like one challenge per game per player or I don't I don't, I don't know how you uh how you use it or maybe it's like you as a team only get a certain amount for a game I don't know like all the rules but just seeing it in action a couple times um, you know I, I could think of three or four situations this week where I'd be like yeah I, I'd say that's a challenge worthy pitch yeah uh, big moment type pitches uh, bases loaded called strike three situations on a pitch that was not a strike uh or definitely didn't feel like a strike. Um, and like, to me, you know, I, I get it's a hard job. Like I understand this, but like there was a stat or some information came out last year where like 85% of pitches are either like right down the middle for called strikes are swinging strikes are put in play somehow or obvious balls. And that really the umpire's job is to manage like the 10 to 15% of pitches that are, on the borders that are on the edges. And so uh, if you have a game, you know, that is 150 pitches, then you're talking about 15 to 20 pitches that you actually have to get right. And if I was only asked to get 15% of my job right on any given day, uh, I probably would have a very lax job. So... (laughs) You know, there's got to be some type of like, like I said, there, there's there's no, uh, I feel like there's no sense of urgency for umpires to improve. Um, a, a guy like Pat Hoberg, who like had a perfect game called in the World Series last year, like let Pat like be a freaking crew chief and work the plate whenever he wants. Like if he's that good behind the dish, like let's let the pitchers feel good about having Pat back there. Let's let the batters feel good about having Pat back there instead of having. Uh, you know, terrible umpires that are going to get things wrong that are going to miss those 15% of their job that is like 100% of their job incorrect. And so um, the fact that we have to stay on rotation and that everyone has to be able to call games behind the plate and we're wasting Pat Hoberg at second base some nights, it's just like, why? Like, let the best guys back there and let them do their job. Uh, I think that's probably the the biggest reform I would like to see next in baseball is something to do with the umpire security, the umpire like rate of um, performance or something has to give in terms of uh, how much they have to manage, who's calling the games, blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't know that I've watched more baseball this year. But in the baseball that I have watched this year, I feel like I've seen worse called games. So yeah. take that for what it's worth, I no, guess. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's, it's been pretty rough. And I will say this. In the first series of the year against the Phillies, um, we, don't, we don't sweep them. If I'm pretty sure Buckner was that, I, I, you know, umpire in this game. I don't think we win uh, a couple of those games because <laughs> of the bad calls that he made. So. Anyways, I'll take it, though. Uh, you brought the Rangers and the Reds. Like, oh, God. I'll, we'll just touch on it very briefly. I'll let you uh, get your frustration out. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll set you up with a softball question on it, too. So, the Rangers offense has been producing runs. They've produced runs this series. Yeah. Um, the starting pitching has been okay. The fielding has been... Okay, 
the bullpen has been kind of not okay. Yeah. Uh, are these the Rangers' true colors, or is this just a bump in the road and nothing more than a speed bump? We'll see, yeah, we're kind of at that point. Like, is this the Rangers' true colors? Um, the the lineup. I think the only part of our lineup that that, that there's a problem is is with the seven eight nine spot. Like, I mean, Reach. you look. <laughs> wait, what? Oh yeah. Uh, you have Jan- Travis Jankowski, who has been an absolute stud this year. They finally pulled him up to the the two spots since Seager's been out when he does play, and he's been doing really good. But then you have like guys like Brad Miller and Bubba Thompson and like Josh Schmidt starting over people like Leody Tavares, uh, Ezekiel Duran. Like it, it, it's just it's ridiculous sometimes. Is uh, Duran up right now? What's up? Is Duran up? Yeah, he's been playing in in uh, in shortstop. Yeah, shortstop here as of recently. Okay, so he's a good utility guy. Um. But, like, starting pitching, I, I still think we have one of the best rotations in baseball. Yeah, you're going to have bad games here and, there, here and there, but I think I saw they have, like, the second lowest ERA, I think. Uh, I don't know, after today, which, I mean, we only gave up three runs. Yeah, I mean, um, listen, you keep those five together all year and, and going, like, it's a really good five. So yeah. it's just a matter of keeping them going. Yeah. And then the bullpen, I think we did see the bullpen's true colors come out the series. Um, I mean, we were talking about it before the episode. We had a lead in the first game, blew it. Um, umpires really didn't help, but I'm not blaming it on the umpires because our bullpen was awful. Had a 6-0 lead yesterday, blew it, and then bullpen gave up a walk-off two-run home run today. And so it's just like I knew there was going to be a weakness. We've been looking good in the bullpen so far, and there were some questionable, you know, manager uh actions like why are we taking dane dunning out when he's doing really good and you put jose leclerc in and he walks the bases full um why are we taking out uh who was it i want to say it's will smith and put again like guys like ian kennedy like i know you have to use them and we're still early in the season and i know he wants to see you know how they're going to do but um, probably are some early on like load management stuff and yeah, pitch yeah. count stuff. And... Yeah, but I'm not blaming this on Bruce Bochy either. It's like it's your job in the bullpen. And I still think that's kind of like the weakest link of our team. So, but there have been a couple guys step up so far this year, which is really cool to see. So. Yeah, I mean the Rangers have maybe been I don't want to say like a surprise. Because like you look at their roster, you look at their lineup, the pitching rotation. Like, hey, if this if this group's healthy, like they're pretty good on paper. Like, yeah. I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're playoff yet. I think they're still maybe a year away. They need some more pitching to develop, and and that bullpen specifically. But like preseason, like you could meet, you could have made a case for them being a a really good team. Like, um, you know, we had them second or third in the division across the board. I think so. Uh, going from where they've been under 500 for the last few years to, you know, being atop the division in this first month, like it wasn't an unreasonable view, but uh, I think, you know, being swept by the Reds is a bad look. It's ridiculous. Uh, but the good news is, is that I think uh, you can point and say, well, you know, our, 
our best position players out right now. Um, the starting pitching has been solid, even though like we're not getting like the shutouts by yeah. some of these guys. We're getting quality starts. We're getting quality innings. We're getting outs. Um, and then, hey, if we're in this thing come trade deadline, you add a couple bullpen pieces, and all of a sudden you're a complete team. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, getting off to a hot start while Houston was going to be a slow starter coming out the gate and whatnot was really important. Uh, you circled the Reds as, like, a series that you have to win because of the way you've been playing and trying to maintain and keep or even grow a lead in the West. Uh, to drop three in a row is yeah. pretty and tough. We have the Yankees coming into town tomorrow for a four-game series. So, uh if you get swept by the Reds, and I mean, you know, baseball's weird. Uh, we could go and sweep the Yankees. Um, yeah, for sure. But it's not a it's not a good feeling or good look for the for the team. So yeah, y'all have the Yankees, and then uh, Arizona, and then the Angels, Seattle, and Oakland, and then Atlanta. Okay, so May isn't exactly. It's not the toughest, but it's definitely not the easiest. No. Uh, the Angels are weird. They've always been weird. They will continue to be weird. The Mariners are kind of slow starting right now. The Athletics are awful. Um, the Braves are tough, but they just got swept at home. So like anything's possible in baseball. And then that the Diamondbacks are playing good but not great. So, uh, it's still shaping up like it could be a a, a good first half. Uh, don't let one sweep in yeah. April ruin your I'm week. I'm trying to keep that attitude. <laughs> uh, you mentioned this guy's name earlier, Brian Reynolds. Uh, signed. You know, for, for a, a long time we were kind of like, okay, where's he gonna get traded to? He's on the block. He wants out. Uh, who's gonna win the Brian Reynolds sweepstakes? Like, it's not as sexy as the Shohei Otani sweepstakes, but you know, it's a pretty good uh secondary one to keep an eye on. Um, instead, signs a long-term extension uh, through at least 2030, team option for 2031, with the Red Hot Pirates. And so I don't know if this is a sign that the Pirates believe um, that they have enough coming up or that they're going to start contributing some financial means to around their key pieces or what. But... uh. This contract secures this year, obviously, his last two arbitration years. And then he's buying out five years of free agency with a possible six year on the team option. Uh, your first reaction to the Brian Reynolds contract? Uh, it was kind of depressing because, uh, I mean, another weak wink on our team is, you know, that other outfielder we need. Um, I'm glad he got paid. I I was kind of surprised that it was with Pittsburgh, though. You know their you know relationship, how it's been <laughs> lately. But uh, but yeah, uh, he gets paid. Good for him. Um, the exact words when I saw it, I don't I I don't mean to bring it back to the Rangers, but it's just what it was. Uh, Evan Carter's gonna be the guy in our organization, the next good outfielder. But uh, but yeah, that was my first reaction when I saw it. But good for him, good, and good for Pittsburgh finally yep. having like a guy to build around. Yeah, to me, this is a great for Pittsburgh contract in yeah. my opinion because, um, 
yeah, you're, you're buying out the last two years of arbitration on this contract, but you're getting five years of his free agency for under $20 million for Brian Reynolds. Um, you know, his, his on-schedule salaries, his, like, cash salaries for the years, um, this year, 2023, 6.75, so $6.75 million. Next year, 10. 2025, 12. And then he goes into his free agent years, where 26, 14 million, 27, 28, 29, and 2030. So four years at 15 million yeah. uh, for Brian Reynolds is a steal. And yeah. then a team option, not even a player option, a team option for 2031 worth 20 that has a $2 million buyout. So if you're like, ah, we don't like it, $2 million and you're out of it 2031 but man to me like Reynolds gets a a signing bonus and all this good stuff and it gives him security uh, for a long time which is awesome for him something that he deserves Um, but seeing some of the salaries that baseball has dished out the last you know year and a half uh, kind of a fleece if you kind of think about it man like you look at at (laughs) Corbin Carroll's contract even and you're like Okay, this kind of makes sense for Corbin Carroll because he has played literally like five weeks of Major League Baseball and he's gotten this huge extension. It's like, okay, good for him. This is kind of crazy. But like the numbers are like in weird ways a lot higher for Corbin Carroll, which maybe that ceiling is higher for Corbin. But like, you know Reynolds is going to produce for you. Like, you know he's one of the, the better. He's like a top half, top third outfielder in baseball. Uh, so, so yeah, like, I think it's a this, steal for the Pirates. It gives Reynolds security, so it's probably a win-win in that scenario. But I was really surprised to see some of the salary numbers as low as they were. Yeah, were you? I mean, it has me thinking because if I was Brian Reynolds, I mean, like you said, he does produce, and with some of the other contracts around the league, do you think like that whole like animosity and all that was fake? Because he wanted to stay in Pittsburgh, so kind of a little reverse. I might sound very stupid right here, but wanted to like stay in Pittsburgh and use a little bit of you know reverse psychology, or because like, I mean yeah he gets paid, he gets a good you know year, so I mean good deal. So honestly, man, like I think for him he just wanted I get based off of this deal and what I'm seeing. And some of the words that were kind of being thrown around. I think he likes Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's yeah, a cool yeah, place. Yeah. Um, like, you're playing in one of the best ballparks in baseball. Uh, and his thing, I think, the whole time was just like, I just want to be paid for my value. Yeah. Which I don't think you're getting paid for your value with these numbers. No. Personally. But the dude is 28. And so... You know, he's kind of leaving his young man years behind him soon. And so this contract guarantees him millions through his age 35 season. And so, like, the length of it, I think, might have been more important to Reynolds than the price. And I think this still gives the Pirates flexibility to build around him and create try to create a winning ball club. So to me, this might be a thing where Reynolds wants to get... He wants to get paid for a long time. He wants to be secured for a while, but he's not super concerned with the dollar value because he wants the organization to go spend some money around him. Yeah, that makes sense. 
and at least that's that's kind of me reading between the lines that I might be totally wrong but that just with what I'm looking at and and whatnot just seems to be the case maybe this opens the door for like an O'Neill Cruz extension uh, maybe a free agent signing or two that actually matter no shots at the guys that they brought in but the guys they brought in this year in free agency were like placeholders yeah. So does this mean, hey, we've got Cabrian Hayes locked down, we have O'Neill Cruz for the next five years, we've got Reynolds for the next seven years, now we go in on a couple and see if we can make some, some big-time moves. Um, I don't know, but uh, good for Reynolds. Obviously, he's going to be happy with this, otherwise he wouldn't have signed it. And I think really good for the Pirates, because you're not paying him until he's 40, and you're getting him at, a, I think, a discount on his uh, price per year. So. Yeah. Yeah. Reynolds extended. <laughs> uh, let's see another topic I got here, uh, and we'll start wrapping this thing up. I think after this one, stolen bases are up with the pitch clock and the bases being larger. And I still don't know like how much that really has to do with it, but um. Stolen bases are up around the league, but there's some teams that are, like, really running. Uh, there's five teams right now that are averaging more than one stolen base per game. You have the New York Yankees, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Chicago Cubs. Excuse me, I'm burping over here like crazy. The Chicago Cubs, the Baltimore Orioles, and the Cleveland Guardians. Cleveland right now is running at a... They're they're stealing a base. They're stealing 1.27 bases per game. So like every four games, they're stealing five bags essentially. Um, they're like on pace to be one of the most stolen base happy teams in a long time. Uh, I did not have the Cleveland Guardians on my bingo card for the most stolen bases. Uh, but what do you think about the stolen base? Re- like a, I was about to say reconnaissance, not reconnaissance. Uh, yeah, Renaissance. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> um, I think it's good. I think it's fun for baseball. It makes it more enjoyable to watch, more entertainment. Um, I wish there was another team up there, but we use the excuse of, well, we've been, you know, playing really good against really good catchers. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Still the base. Um, but yeah, I think it's good for the game. Um, other people might not think so. And I, like you said, I don't really know how much the bases are helping with it. You know, now that they're bigger. Um, but I know that the new pitch clock has, has made a lot of teams, uh, what's the word? Jump the gun on it. So yeah, I don't know. I like it. I do too. I think it's fun. I think it's one of the most exciting plays you get any, on any given pitch in baseball right now. Um, there's a lot that has to happen on a stolen base attempt. And so every time it, it happens, you kind of like your whole body kind of like clenches, like, okay, what's about to happen in this yeah. second and a half. So, um, I think it's really cool. I think it's one more way for catchers to earn their money, which is good because there's not many great offensive catchers out there, but the ones that, uh, are good with, you know, the, the pitch receiving and the framing, but the ones that can also, throw guys out and, and control the running game. Um, you know, it puts them in a, in a position for them to show off some cannons, which I think is fun. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, the stolen base stuff being up is fun and I would be 
a miss to say uh, Cleveland. Like I don't like I know Jose Ramirez can steal some bags. I know Stephen Kwan can steal some bags. Miles Straw can run. Um, but I would not have guessed them at all for the uh, league for the Major League Baseball lead in stolen bases. So the second team, that Baltimore club with the Orioles, like I might have put them on my short list of teams just because they're so yeah. kind of young and athletic across the board. Uh, yeah, Cleveland Guardians right now are, are running like crazy. Uh, let's see. In four days will be officially one month since opening day. Uh, and <laughs> I thought it was really interesting just looking at like the one month <laughs> numbers. And so this is my final little topic here. Um, NL and AL MVP and NL and AL Cy Young. If the season ended technically today is when I'm looking at these stats. Obviously, I can't look into the future on these stats. But one month in, uh, who is your MVP and Cy Young for both divisions? Um, <laughs> and just looking at the numbers, man, like I, I couldn't deny these two names. I, I didn't. They were nowhere near my uh, my thoughts. Really, even when I was like thinking that this would be a, a fun little three-minute discussion uh in the national league brandon marsh has been killing it he has been a dog 22 games 70 at bats triple slash of 357 444 729 with 14 extra base hits and a couple steals along the way too uh playing center field uh playing in philly and you know, I know uh, the Philly team like win loss record isn't great right now, but Brandon Marsh is freaking delivering. Uh, I think he leads the National League in OPS. Um, and I think he's tied for the league in extra base hits. Uh, and then my AL nomination uh, for another team that I I really. Like his name didn't really float on my radar until a couple days ago, um, but Jared Kelnick, I believe it's Kelnick, uh, so far this year in seventy three at bats, slashing three forty two, three ninety five, seven twenty six, also with fourteen extra base hits. Um, there's been a lot of there was a lot of hype around uh, Kelnick when he first came up as like, no, this guy's like the truth in the outfield and has one of the best batting profiles that you've ever seen and then he struggled and struggled and struggled had some flashes last year was just kind of an average player but all the the prospect guys like no just just wait and like i get it because he you know he's only like 23 24 during this time uh and maybe this is his big breakout wake-up party uh but Who's your? Do you have a, another MVP nominee or someone that you're like, no, your two picks suck. Here's the actual guy. Uh, I mean, I mean, you did the work. So if we're gonna go strictly off stats, those two. Um, I don't know, man. It's been like a weird season in a way. Would you agree? Like, yeah, it's month one. It's always weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one. Um, <laughs> So, like uh, who's the guy in Chicago that's like leading the base oh, is leading baseball uh, right now in home runs? Patrick Wisdom. Patrick Wisdom hit his Former tenth Ranger. home run. Um, is he the first of ten? I think Muncy was, wasn't he? 
I don't know. Muncie's yeah, Muncie's been, been killing it too. Um, just got news. I don't know if you're on your phone or not, but Robbie Ray undergoing flexor tendon surgery and will miss the rest of the 2023 season. Oh snap! Yeah, that's huge for Seattle. Yeah, I mean they they've got good young pitching depth behind them, but man, that sucks. Tough, man. Well, uh, my two pitchers that I had circled for my Cy Young, neither one of them were Robbie Ray. Uh, best of luck to him, obviously, on his recovery going forward. But uh, National League-wise, the uh, quadzilla himself, Spencer Strider with his fantastic mustache. I'm surprised you're not as big of a Spencer Strider fan with... His mustache. I figured that would be right up your alley. Um, I mean, I'm kind of off of mustaches now that now that Nate Lowe shaved his off. Uh, oh. Probably, probably when he grows it back out, I'll, I'll hop on the bandwagon. Gotcha. Well, Spencer right now has 30 innings pitched and 49 strikeouts. He's leading baseball in strikeouts. And uh, a 1.8 ERA over those 30 innings with a 0.83 whip. And then in the American League, Mr. Shohei Otani... Uh, only 28 innings, but he had his start in Boston cut short because of the rain issue. Probably would have, you know, 33, 34 innings if that wasn't the yeah. case. Um, but 28 innings of 0.64 ERA, 0.82 whip, and 38 strikeouts in his 28 innings. Uh, both these guys are striking guys out like crazy and not letting anybody get walks or hits, basically. So... Uh, those are my one-month winners at Cy Young, which my Cy Young winners are more names that are associated with the Cy Young Award than my MVP winners currently. But uh, those are my four picks for the league awards currently. Heck yeah. No, any uh, last-second things? Um, I just wanted to say I was laughing. I was not laughing that Robbie Ray got hurt. I really hate it. I, you hate to see anybody get hurt. I was laughing at how you transitioned into it. You're like, well, uh, my Cy Young pitcher. <laughs> I don't know why it was funny. But I, I didn't know what laughing. else to do. <laughs> I was not laughing at Robbie Ray's injury. Just want to put that out there. So, yeah, no, that's, that's it for me. That's awful. Flexor tendon is never fun. Uh, that was what Lance had to do deal with in Houston and he's still really not right from it um, it's a pretty major major issue so um, hopefully you know, he's had a long career and so I hope uh, it's not the end of Robbie Ray hopefully he comes back even better than what he was this past year maybe he gets back into that Cy Young form he had in Toronto um, but yeah all the all the best for him and his recovery it, it's bummed like, it's not great for the Mariners, obviously, but at least they have a pretty good talent pool of pitching to pull from. It's not the worst thing that could happen. Um, but, you know, bounce back season for Robbie Ray next year, maybe. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's all I got. If That's all you got. That's all I got, brother. All right. Well, uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, MySpace. and MySpace. Uh, dude, uh, real talk. I kind of wish MySpace would make a comeback. Yeah, I don't even know. Nah, I don't know. <laughs> like, I kind of miss MySpace. Maybe that's a weird hot topic, but uh, 
remake myspace i like I, I miss having like actual customizable pages instead of like twitter feeds but that's just me uh yeah subscribe like like the things do all the things that we're supposed to tell you to do and uh go follow us for more content and everything's on the website www.swingforcontact.com everything is linked there along with our store go get you a t-shirt or a tumbler or something because i need to pay for the things that i've already paid for <laughs> uh and so every hey, yeah uh, every three dollars helps uh noah march on the way no yeah. merch on the way. Absolutely. <laughs> all the things. Uh, so yeah, go follow us on all the social media stuff. Give us a like on any platform that you do find us on. We'd certainly appreciate it. And uh, if you have a baseball friend or family, share our stuff with them because we love to uh, help expand our our name and our brand and uh, bring some more people in from the outside. So yeah, this is episode 15. We will see you next week.